Masechet Yevamot Daf Samech Gimel. Today's Daf is all about marriage. Uh, we uh, ended uh, last time with a beautiful Braita about one who loves his wife and honors his wife more than himself and all the blessings that come with marriage. So now we have a siman, a mnemonic device to remember the various statements we're going to see about Isha Vekarka Aizer Okay, the following are seven statements by Rabbi El Azar, all about this theme. A person without a man without a wife is not even called a man. As it says, Hashem created male and female and called them Adam. If it's only Zachar uh, without Nekeva, then he will not be called Adam. Furthermore, a person who does not own land is not called a human being, uh, is not called a man, because it says the heavens are for God, and he has given the earth to Bnei Adam. So if one has a piece of land, then he's called an Adam, otherwise not. Third statement, what does this, this mean? That when Adam was alone, Hashem said, okay, I'll make him an Azer, uh, so someone that will be helpful, uh, opposite him. Um, these two words seem to have be opposite in meaning, and the idea is if one merits, then he has someone who will help him. If he does not merit, then he will have in, uh, someone who will oppose him. Or a second version is not from the not from the two words ezer and kenegdo, which uh, are, are intention, but rather this world, this word itself kenegdo, since is not written are not written with vocalization, it could be read kenegdo. Uh, which in, uh, in Aramaic means to whip someone, uh, or kenegdo, meaning al- alongside him. So if one merits, then he has uh, someone who will help him, and that will be a, a, uh, a partner alongside him. If does not merit, then it will be like, like lashes. One time Rabbi Yosef found Eliyahu Nabi. And whenever we have lots of stories about this, Eliyahu is always a good uh, insight into what's going on up in heaven, uh, things that we can't know uh, down here. So this, uh, uh, this question is curious in that sense. Is he asks, uh, what does it mean that, that uh, that a wife is a helpmate. In what way does a wife help a person? Right, as if see, we can't figure that out here. We need Eliyahu to come and tell us. And Eliyahu answers, a person, uh, usually the men would go out and work out work in the field, and they would bring home wheat, raw wheat and raw uh, flax. So he, so he says, um, uh, wheat. Can a person chew on wheat? Can you eat it? 
uh, if you have flax, can you wear raw flax? No, it's, uh, he brings it home, and then the wife will process it into bread and clothing. So you see how a wife uh, enlightens the eyes of a person by giving him food and lets him stand on his feet by giving him clothing. So having a wife is very important. Uh, there you go. Um, all right, it's a funny story, as if we need Eliyahu to tell us this. Uh, there's this, there's an in-between stage. First, uh, Hashem says, uh, it's not good for man to be alone, and then he creates all the animals uh, to see what a man would call each of them. And then, it's not his type, they don't work out. Uh, so then uh, only afterwards when Hashem creates uh, Chava, this is, oh, this time this is my bone and my uh, flesh of my flesh, because literally Chava is made from his side or uh, a rib, Selah, whatever that means. Um, okay, this Midrash of Rabbi Elazar says, It wasn't only naming them and looking, that, looking at them, but rather he actually had Bi'ah with each of the animals and found that each one was not his type. Not only not his type, they weren't even his species. Uh, so he was not at ease with any of them until he found Chava. Uh, what does it mean regarding Hashem's blessing to Abraham? That all the families in the earth will be blessed through you. The word uh, can mean blessing, but it could also the same similar to the word lehavrich, uh, which means to graft one branch onto another. And he told Abraham, there's two wonderful branches that will be um, grafted onto you, and they are These are two non-Jews from other, other nations that will join together with the Jewish people, and one of them is Ruta, who was originally a Moabite, but she came and joined the Jewish people and converted, and through her uh, came David HaMelech, and also Naama, one of the foreign wives, uh, uh, the Ammonite wives of Shalomo, whose uh, son was Rehavam, who was then the next king and continued the dynasty. Kol mishpechot adama, and then further says, uh, all, the, all the families of the earth, afil mishpechot adarot ba'adama, even families that live on the earth, meaning on other, on other, in other lands, they have lands of their own. Uh, so not only those who come and convert, but even those uh, other countries are blessed because of Israel, um, as a, you could say, as a, as a merit. Uh, when um, Israel does good and merits good, then uh, the whole world get receives blessing. Uh, could be a more direct way when Israel is. Uh, at the cutting edge of high tech or medicine and uh, good things and brings good things to the world. And as we see today, all nations benefit from that. And not only on land, because the Pasuk goes on and says, um, so even uh, ships that are going from one land to another, from Galia to, from, to, to, to Spain, uh, the, the ends of the, uh, the Roman Empire, um, are only get blessed because of Israel. Amar 
next statement of Rabbi Azar is that in the future all uh, people who are, who are, are mariners, uh, pilots of the sea, sailors, will all come and be on land. I guess it's a difficult life to be on the ocean all the time, and so they'll be able to merit and, uh, and stay on dry land. As Pasuk in Yechezkel says, um, all the, the hands of the mariners, they will all stand on dry land. On the other hand, Bielazar also said that there's no a lower form of work than working the land, because it says if you had to do, they will go down. So this is the lowest form of work. Uh, it seems to be a bit of a contradiction here, um, because you know it sounds like uh, there this is a benefit for the sailors that they could be on land. On the other, on the other hand, he says that there's nothing lower than being on land. Maybe his idea is that even though manual labor in the land is a lowly form of, ma- of, of work because it's a backbreaking work, nevertheless, it uh, grounds one and makes one humble, dependent on, on the rain, on the earth, and uh, looking up towards heavens all the time. So there's something good about it, even though, uh, even though it is a difficult labor. Rabbi Elazar Hazyana hi aradishdi ba kerava lefutya amar le. And on the other hand, we have another statement that says um, that business is better than working the land. And here, the Bielazar saw that uh, some land that was plowed across its width, uh, or maybe that it would it it, um, it was full of produce across the whole width of the of the land, and uh, he said. Even if you were plowed along your entire length, even bigger, or you had produce all across your entire length, still, iska, doing business, would be better than this, because there's a limited amount. Even if you have a good crop, it's still a limited amount, whereas uh, when uh, one is engaged in buying and selling, uh, then uh, the, uh, the, uh, you could, one could make a lot more money. And so uh, this is uh, going back to say, uh, get, may, working the land is the lowest, um, lowest form of work, uh, doing, uh, being involved in, um, in business is better. Rav was a similar uh, story. Rav was walking between the sheaves and they were waving back and forth in the wind. You could wave all you want and look like you're so fancy, you know, uh, boasting, look how much wheat and grain there is here, but uh, doing business, uh, buying and selling is still better than you. Similar statement that Rava says, if you invest a hundred dinar into business every day, you can have meat and wine because that the investment will continue to uh, bring bring uh, rewards. Whereas if you invest that same amount in land, all you get is salt and vegetables. <laughs> it's a limited uh, limited amount of return. And not only that, working the land, you have to lie down on the ground because you have to guard it at night so animals and thieves don't come and also causes fights uh, with your neighbor. This is my land. This is your land. And so better to go um, uh, into business and be a merchant.
Ahmad of Papa Rava himself did live in a in a city, and so he probably himself was a merchant and saw the merchant life is better than the rural life. Ahmad of Papa said, Papa said better to sow your own produce and don't buy it. Don't be dependent on, on the market for your food. Uh, you should grow things yourself and then you'll always be self-sufficient. That's uh, true for for, for sure, for any country and even for every person. So, Papa preferred farming. And even if it's the same price, whatever you grow and you would sell, the same price as what you would buy in the market, nevertheless, when it's your own, you get blessing from it. On the other hand, uh, it's better to buy clothes rather than weave, and weave, weave them yourself, because that's, um, that's a, 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 a tremendous amount of work to have to weave clothing. But but that is only true regarding mats. Better to buy uh, mats and not have to weave them yourself. But if it's your own cloak, then better to sew it yourself because then you'll get a perfect fit rather than buy a pre-fit one from the marketplace. Tom, if there's a hole in your house, just close it up, patch it up. And don't, uh, uh, you know, quickly uh, before it spreads. And don't plaster, uh, and, um, and do not make it bigger and plaster it. Um, or if you're going to plaster it, fine, plaster it, but don't rebuild it. In other words, spend as little as possible, just cover it up. It doesn't matter if it looks perfect. Uh, don't, it's not worth spending a lot of money to knock down the whole thing and rebuild. Why? Anyone who is involved in construction will become poor, um, as many people know from experience. Once you start knocking down one wall, then you say, we may as well knock down the other wall, and now while we're at it, and then something else falls down, and there's no end to construction costs. Even if you think, even if you figure in, it's going to be more than you think, it's going to be, ends up being more even than that. All right, good advice. Uh, you should always uh, hurry and buy land. If land becomes available, invest. After all, they're not making any more of it. But when it comes to marriage, be patient and make sure to marry the right person. And when you're choosing a spouse, uh, it's good to go down a level of social status. If you want to marry someone from higher status, then it's going to be uh, a burden to keep up with her standards. And so lower status uh, makes it easier. On the other hand, for friendship, shushbin is like a best man, a good friend. In that case, it's good to go up uh, a level of social social status. And then, you know, you become friends with them and go into business and have investors. And so uh, there's benefits to having a friend from a higher class and a wife from a lower class. We saw above that blessing comes to the world because of the Jewish people, but also the opposite, um, that uh, uh, um, uh, calamity comes to the world because Israel are, are, are not doing the right thing. Pasukin Sefania says, I have cut off nations, their corners are desolate. I have made their streets waste. Why? 
You should fear me, you will receive correction because the Jewish people have not um, done Teshuvah. Uh, that's why it brings negative not only to them but also to their surrounding nations. Um, he would, when he would take leave of his teacher to be in Eretz Israel and go back to Bavel, Rav uh, Chiyah told him, may Hashem, may, may the merciful one save you from something that's worse than death. So we wonder, what could be worse than death? So he went out and uh, checked. Nafak dak v'ashkach, umose ani marmi mavet at haisha. Oh, it's actually a pasuk in Kohelet that says, I found something, mose. I find something that is worse than death, and that is um, a, a, a wife who was... Uh, uh, who was uh, uh, not, not a blessing. In fact, Rav, uh, this very sage who I was talking to, uh, his wife would cause him a lot of suffering. Whenever he would ask for something for dinner, he would say, can you make me lentils? She would make him peas. If he asked for peas, she would make him lentils. She would like purposely do the opposite just to annoy him. Uh, so he had, uh, he had an unfortunate relationship. He had a son named Chiyad. It was not only his teacher, but also Rabbi Chiyad, but his son was named Chiyad. So then the father would tell the son Chiyad, go tell mom to make lentils. So Chiyad was smart, and he would say the opposite, so that the mother would make the thing that the Rav actually wanted. So Apechli, he said the opposite. Rav was impressed after a few days he noticed this. He says, oh, your mom has improved, right? Now she's She's uh, making the thing that I actually asked for. He says, no, I'm the one that switched it. Right? Whatever you tell me, I tell her the opposite. And then she does the opposite of that. So the opposite of the opposite is the correct thing. And Rav says, oh, this is what the common saying uh, says, uh, that... What comes from you is better than you. Like sometimes uh, that your 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 child can ta- teach you uh, something that is wise. He who comes from you shall teach you in wisdom. But nevertheless, at la tabid Rav tells his son, still, even though it works, don't do this. Uh, because Pasukinimanya says uh, people teach their tongue to speak lies. So even though it's working, but then you're getting used to saying saying lies, and then that leads to sin. And so therefore, better to uh, get along with peas instead of lentils, and tell the tr- you tell the truth, and uh, don't uh, cause lies, even though that did resolve this situation. Rabbi himself, he's the one that told Rav, right, what's worse than death. He also had a wife that would always annoy him. Whenever, yet, 
Look how he treated his wife. Whenever he would find something nice, he would wrap it in a in a shawl and bring it to her. He would always bring her gifts and th- things that he knew she would appreciate. Rav was surprised. How come you treat your wife so nicely and bring her gifts all the time, even though she causes you so much suffering? It's enough. It's a, a sufficient that they they uh, she raises my. Uh, 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 that she raises my children and saves me from sin. Uh, that they, women, uh, wives in general, raise their ch- raise children and save their husbands from sin, and that itself is worthy of give of me giving her gifts all the time. Uh, so he finds the he finds the good within the negative. One time Rav Yehuda was reading Pesukim with his son, uh, Rav Yitzchak, and he got to this Pasuk, Kohelin Kohelit, that says, I find uh, something worse than death, and that is a woman. And uh, the son asks, like, for example, who? Where, who? where do you see such a terrible person? And he said, like, your mother. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Did he say that? Uh, there's another time that Rav Yehuda taught Rav Yitzchak, the same father and son, it says a person does not find peace of mind except from his first wife. Your fountain should be blessed and have joy from the wife of your youth. Someone's first wife is the best. And the son asks, like for example, whom? Like your mother, that was his his first wife. So here we see that his wife was good. So how could it be? How could it be that uh, is bad and good? He says, well, his wife was on the one hand very strong and forceful. On the other hand, she was also easily easily appeased. Um, so she had both of these qualities. And sometimes she would get upset and angry, and she was really tough. And in that case, it was felt he felt like it was he was she was Marmi Mavid. On the other hand, uh, she was uh, you know he said sorry, and then uh, and then she was uh, good natured and happy, and then uh, uh, then uh, then he called her uh, Samach. Uh, she was uh, the joy of his life, and so she was both. Asks, what does that mean to have uh, a, a, a wife who brings bad? For example, a wife uh, who arranges a table for her husband, and then she, she also arranges her mouth and insults him the whole time. So she makes a nice dinner for him, and then they sit down together at dinner, and she has nothing nice to say. So that's uh, she does both. Or, for example, uh, she arranges a nice table for him, and then she turns her back and says, like, she's not interested in uh, spending time with him. So, you know, it's the, uh, the uh, um, uh, double, uh, double-edged sword. Um, that's called Isha if a person gets married, um, uh, then all of his sins 
are uh, uh, crumble um, because uh, now his wife will keep him in check and uh, make sure he does good. As Pasuk and Mishle said, whoever finds um, uh, uh, finds a wife finds good and also uh, will will uh, get favor from Hashem. So that's it, favor from Hashem because his sins are gone. In the West, in Israel, whenever a person got married, this is what they would tell him. Masa or Mose, which one applies to you, right? Masa, this pasuk, Masa Isha, Masa Tov, uh, or Mose, my Masa Dichti Masa Isha Masa Tov, or is it Mose Dichti or Mose Ani Mar Mimavit Et Aisha? So, which of the pesukim, the one from the Mishle or one from Kohelet? We ask him, right? How's uh, how's your marriage? Uh, how's it going there? Uh, did uh, did you uh, is it the, this finding or that finding? Rava says, if someone has a bad wife, better to get divorced. Divorce isn't good, but if it's not working out, then better to separate. As the Pasuk says, um, cast out the scorner and contention will depart, strife and shame will cease. All right, that's a good way to stop fighting is to divorce. How, on the other hand, uh, when someone gets divorced, then he has to pay the ketubah. The ketubah could be a big amount. So Rava says, if someone has a bad wife and the ketubah payment is a lot, then here's the solution. Sadata besida. A rival wife is right there on the side. Just threaten, say, listen, I'm going to marry another wife. And then she'll be a pain. Uh, to this current wife, and that'll be uh, uh, that'll be a way to threaten and uh, and uh, and uh, try to bring some balance without having to divorce and pay the kituba. If you want to annoy uh, annoy a woman, better a co-wife uh, is even more. Uh, more annoying to her than thorns. Um, that a bad wife is worse than a day of heavy rain. Um, as it says, continual dropping on a very rainy day, a contentious wife, they're all the same. Right? When it's raining, you can't get, in, you can't get out from under the rain, from getting wet. Uh, you go here, you go there, and so too, a contentious wife um, always uh, causing a person to uh, uh, suffering. Right? From one extreme to the other, Rava says, see how great is a good wife and how terrible is a bad one. Uh, so look how good a good wife is. Pasuk says, if someone finds a good wife, he found goodness. Now, if this, we, we take this in literal sense as talking about a wife itself, right? Look how the Pasuk says, right? Look how good a good wife is that, um, that the Pasuk goes and praises her. And if you take this as a figure, a, a figure of speech, that's really talking about uh, metaphorically of Torah, that one finds Torah, finds good. Nevertheless, it shows how good a good wife is that when you want to think, of, when you want to praise Torah and you want to say it's, it's like something very good, what do you, what's the, what, what's the symbol, what's the metaphor used to praise Torah? A good wife. So all, that's all the more so. That shows that a good wife is, is the best thing that you can imagine that you would compare Torah to. 
On the other hand, how bad is a bad wife? Um, so, same thing with the other pasuk. I find something worse than death, and that is um, a, 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 a contentious wife. If it's talking literally about one's wife, then you see, look how bad the pasuk goes and says, uh, calls this something really terrible. But if this pasuk is actually a metaphor for Gehinam and saying that if someone found Gehinam is really bad, well, look how bad uh, uh, a contentious wife is that when you want to compare Gehinam, you know how bad Gehinam is so bad, it's bad as, and so the worst thing that you can imagine is a contentious wife. And so there you go, um, uh, to having a good or a bad wife is the opposite extremes, makes, uh, makes life fantastic or terrible. Pasuk in Yirmiyah says, I'm going to bring evil on them that they won't be able to escape. What's something that's terrible that you can't get out of? That's a bad wife and the ketubah is a lot. It's a bad situation and you can't get out of it because you're going to have to pay this large ketubah so you can't get divorced. Netanani Hashem bideh lo uchal kum. Nechaz is Hashem giving, has, has given us into the hands of a nation uh, that we cannot stand up against um, uh, enemy. Amar av chista amar morokva barchiyazo yishara ach tu Okay, we take a pasuk that's talking about you know the evil Babylonians that are destroying Israel and he says, no, this is not talking about that. It's talking about a contentious wife and his uh, the ketuvah is a lot, too much to pay. So can't can't divorce her. Or a different interpretation altogether. This is someone whose food is dependent on his money. Back to what we said before. If a person uh, has a farm, then he can uh, grow all his food. He's not dependent on anybody else. But when he does not grow his food and he has to go and buy it, and the market goes down, the market goes up, and so uh, his his uh, his very food is dependent on cash flow and market prices. Uh, so this is a problem. You know, this is you're dependent on something that you cannot control or withstand. Uh, so more about this is from Echa. We go to the to the Kelalot in Sefer Devarim that says your sons and your daughters will be given to another people. Literally means that some enemy will come and take uh, take them captive. Barav says no, it's not referring to an enemy people, but rather to a father's wife, meaning a stepmother. All right, a stepmother has to, t- takes care of her stepchildren, and uh, often um, that does not work out well. When it says, uh, talk about I'm provoking with a vile nation, right? That's, that's a terrible thing. Rav says, this is referring again to a contentious wife whose uh, marriage contract is large. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Elu Haminim. Rabbi says, no, this naval here is not to Matthias, referring to the heretics, the Sadducees. Fechenu Omer, Amar Nabal Libo, and Elohim, because the word naval appears here, it also appears here. Those who say there is no God, um, uh, it's not clear which uh, heretics is referring to, is it some philosophers, or maybe Sadducees who don't think that, that God is. Um, 
uh, cares or uh, is uh, providential or gives reward and punishment. Or another interpretation of this vile nation are the barbaria. Okay, litter, this uh, is the same word as barbarians uh, or Berbers. Um, this is what the, Gre- the uh, Greeks called the people in North Africa when they, heard, when they met them and heard them speak. They, their language was not refined like Greek. It sounded to the Greeks like they were saying, Bar, bar, bar. So they call them barbarians. And until today, the Berber tribes uh, still live in Morocco. And Martinai is Mauritania, also in North Africa. Uh, so these are these tribes that live in North Africa that walk naked in public. And that's this is uh, Naval who say there's no God. Because nothing more, more, more hated and uh, abomin- uh, an abomination before God than someone who walks naked. A person is B'Tselem Elokim, and therefore we uh, feel, we should feel embarrassed uh, to be naked. We should um, cover up that which is uh, important uh, to us. And so they, they say, they uh, show they have no fear of God by doing so. Rabbi Yochanan Amar Elu Chabarim. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, these, uh, this pasuk is referring to, this uh, naval uh, is referring to Chabarim, our Persian pre-Zoroastrian priests. And some messengers came and told him, listen, there's been a change of uh, government in, in, in Babel. This is in fact true. Before that, the Parthians were in charge, uh, who were or one, one group of Persians, and then the Sasanian dynasty took over from the Parthians. And so these, uh, this new group of Persians, um, and uh, the dominant religion under the Persians was Zoroastrian, uh, Zoroastrianism. And these Zoroastrian priests now um, uh, had more power than they did before. So Rabbi Yochanan heard this, Shega, Shega Nafal, and he, uh, he, he sh- shuddered and he fell off his chair in, in fright and sorrow for the Jews of Babel. He was Nazi Israel under the Roman Empire, but he felt so terrible that the Jews in Babel are now going to have to be, uh, live under this new uh, government that was not going to be friendly to them. But then the messenger said, no, don't worry, they take bribes. So he felt better. Okay, good. If they're corrupt, then, you know, when we are, if we're in trouble, we could always give someone a bribe and get out of the trouble. Great story. These Zoroastrian uh, magicians uh, came and they made three decrees because of three sins that Israel deserved uh, punishment for. Uh, the Chabarim, uh, they made a decree that we, the Jews cannot eat meat. No more ritual slaughter, no more kosher meat, because the Jews themselves did not give priestly gifts. Uh, to the Kohanim as they were supposed to. So now, they don't deserve to eat meat themselves. They said, you cannot use the bathhouses anymore. Um, and that's because the Jews were not uh, careful in uh, immersion and uh, in the mikveh. 
um, uh, when they were supposed to uh, 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 properly. And the Persian priests would exhume the Jewish dead because the Jews were happy on the holidays of the non-Jews. They would uh, take part and celebrate uh, Halloween and Christmas, whatever the... Persian holidays were. It says in Shemuel that the God's hand was against you and your fathers. How could it be against the fathers? How could the fathers get punishment? The, the forefathers, they already died. So this is how the forefathers could be uh, could be punished by their, uh, their, 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 their bones being exhumed and because the iniquity of the living, the dead also suffer. Okay, these three things are very interesting because of what we know about Zoroastrianism that um, they considered water to be holy and therefore they had, they had a lot of purity laws, uh, uh, complex purity laws similar to, uh, to, to Nida laws. Um, but their, their Nidot would not go in water because they considered water holy. So they had other ways of, uh, of purifying people. And uh, they did not like that the Jews were, um, were, were uh, dipping in, in water and putting their purity in the water. And so it makes sense that they would ban using um, mikvaot because it went against their own religion. Zoroastrians also considered land, the ground, to be holy, and they would not bury their own dead. Uh, they also wouldn't burn it, because, burn their dead, uh, be, uh, cremate, because they considered fire holy. Instead, the Persians, Zoroastrians, they would leave their dead out to be eaten by birds. That's what they thought was uh, the proper way of uh, dealing with, with the dead. And so they saw the Jews burying their dead, and they were upset. Hey, Jews, you're, you're uh, defiling the land. And so when they had more power, when they were able to, they would exhume uh, bodies. Uh, so um, while the Gemara here attributes these three things to three sins that the Jews do, um, that's the usual way of Nevi'im and the rabbis to find ways that we can make Teshuvah ourselves. Uh, but historically, it does make sense that the Persian priests would be doing these things because, uh, in fact, they went against their own Zoroastrian religion. Um, they will not be gathered or buried. They will be left out like dung on the face of the earth. Another pasuk says that things are going to be so bad that death will be better than life. So he asked him, what does this Pesuki mean? And he said, uh, it means that it's talking about Eshaim, for whom death is better than life. Why? Because all they're doing while they're alive is negative things. They're causing bad to other people. And so better, it's better for them that they die and they at least stop doing, uh, stop doing bad things. And then they go to Gehinam and receive the punishment for what the bad things that they did do, did do in this world. Okay, now we quote lots of Pesukim from the Tanakh. Now we're going to quote the book of Ben Sirah. Uh, ben Sirah was uh, an important Jew. 
that lived on the, around, the, around 200 BCE. And he wrote a book called the Book of Ben Sirah, which was not included by the rabbis in the Tanakh, but it was included by the translators of the Septuagint in the Septuagint. And therefore, uh, since uh, Christians took the Septuagint as their Bible, you can find it and you will find Ben Sirah in a Christian Bible. Even though it's excluded from our Tanakh, nevertheless, uh, the rabbis had it had this book and uh, had it in Hebrew. Um, the original Hebrew was, was found uh, in the Cairo Geniza. So now we have at least part of the original Hebrew of this book of Ben Sirah. And even though it was excluded in Tanakh for whatever reason, probably because it was written too late, uh, past a certain date, a cutoff point, in which, uh, after which we did not um, uh, include attributed books, uh, books attributed to people that we know lived after into Tanakh. Nevertheless, the rabbis appreciated the book and quoted it often, and sometimes uh, quoting it as an authoritative source, almost as if it was a book of Tanakh. And here we're going to see a few quotes from the, this book of Ben Sira. Um, it's, it, it reads just like Mishle, it's a book of wisdom. Back to the theme of a good wife is a good gift for her husband. And it also says, a good wife will be placed in the, go- in the, in the bosom of a God-fearing man. Someone who's Yiresh Shamaim will uh, merit to have a good wife. And a bad wife is like a plague to her husband. So what's the remedy if someone is in such a bad situation? He should divorce and then he will be healed of his disease. A beautiful wife and uh, happy is her husband and the number of his days are doubled um, because he'll have a good life. Turn your eyes from a graceful woman uh, that that's not your wife, um, because you may get trapped in her trap. Uh, don't don't uh, be attracted to someone else's wife. And don't go and hang out with her husband and have, have uh, wine and drink with him. Because that's only going to lead to negative things by uh, then they'll be looking at his beautiful wife and many people have been uh, destroyed by that. Right? Mighty, uh, her slain is a mighty host. Um, uh, those who are accustomed to Rochel, uh, go, they go from one place to another, maybe uh, the salesmen, and they're going to wives when, when they're home and selling them things. Um, these will, this leads to uh, illicit relations, and it is like, a spark that ignites a coal. Uh, this desire is always there, and by going around and being uh, this itinerant merchant, he's like bringing a light to coals, um, like a cage full of birds. So these houses will be full of deceit. They're going to be lying and uh, about it and uh, causing disruption of a peaceful home. 
מה ילד יום שמא מחר בא ואיננו נמצא מסתער על העולם שאין שלא. Further quote from the book of Ben-Sira, it says, don't worry about tomorrow's trouble um, because you don't know what, uh, what tomorrow will bring. You might be worrying about something that's never going to come. So why worry about it now before it even comes? Uh, maybe, we'll, maybe tomorrow will come and that problem will not come. And so then you'll end up having trouble for no reason uh, that you don't need to be troubled with. Okay, pretty good advice. Uh, don't let a lot of people come to your house. Um, choose, choose your friends uh, carefully. And not everybody should be, should be able to come. Um, uh, you should make sure to have a lot of friends who seek out your welfare. So when you need help, you'll have a lot of people to rely on. When you're giving a secret, telling a secret though, only give a secret to one in a thousand. Most people you can't trust with something secret. Uh, there we already had yesterday that the Mashiach will not come until all the souls have left this uh, treasure house of souls that's called Guf. Um, as Pasuk and Yeshaya said, for the spirit that enwraps itself is from me, the souls that I have made. And so when will my spirit go forth? When all the souls that, souls that I've made um, become from, go from potential to being actual and uh, are born. Tanya Rabbi Eliezer Omer Komi She'en Osek Befidav Ribiyah Ke'ilu Shofech Tam Yishtema Shofech Dam Ha'adam Ba'adam Tamo Yishafech Uchti Batre Ve'atem Peru Urvu Okay, back to what our, the subject of our original Mishnah that anyone who does not um, uh, partake in the mitzvah of be fruitful and multiply not only is he not adding more life it's the same as murder why? because the Pesukim in chapter 9 uh, said to Noah uh, one Pasuk says whoever murders um, his, his, his blood himself should be spilled um, because uh, every human being is in God's image and the very next Pasuk says be fruitful and multiply so you see these are back to back they're flip side uh, of uh, flip uh, uh, two sides of the same coin, um, uh, killing someone and not bringing new life into the world. A person who does not um, involve himself in procreation is limiting God's image in the world. The same to Pesukim. Since it says that a uh, uh, man is created in God's image and therefore every new new person that's born is a little bit more of God's image in the world. You're increasing the amount of divinity in the world. And so by not procreating, uh, the, then a person will be diminishing. A God's image in the world. Ben Azai Omer, Kilo Shofechta Mimeta de Mutremar, Vatemperu, Ben Azai takes both of the statements that were said before, uh, both that of Rabbi Eliezer and uh, that of Rabbi Yaakov, and says, both someone who doesn't do peruvu is not is murder is murdering and also diminishing God's image. Okay, that's Ben Azai. Ben Azai. The rabbi said to Ben Azai, "Yesh nae doresh v'ne mekayem, ne mekayem ve'nae doresh v'ata ne doresh ve'nae nae mekayem." They told Ben Azai, "There are some people that teach beautiful words and they also do beautiful deeds. They practice what they preach. There are those who uh, do good deeds, even though." They 
they don't teach uh, anything uh, well. They, they show by example, but they're not great at, uh, at teaching uh, good things. But you, you're the opposite of that. You speak very well, you say good things, but you don't practice what you preach because Ben Azai himself was not married and did not have children. So you're going and saying, right, how terrible it is not to, not to fulfill Peru You yourself don't fulfill it. This is what can I do? My, my, my soul uh, yearns for Torah. I'm in love with Torah, and so I cannot uh, uh, distract myself with anything else by getting married and having children. That's just me. Um, so other people will have to fulfill the mitzvah. I'm devoted to this particular mitzvah, so I'm exceptional. And he was rather exceptional. Um, uh, the, although there is another story that Ben Azai uh, married the daughter of uh, Rabbi Akiva um, after, after a long time. So um, according to that story, even he eventually did get married and had children. Tanya Idach, another version of what we just said, similar to what we said right here, someone who does not involve himself in Peru Urvu is as if he is um, uh, committing murder, because those two Pesukim are back to back. Rabbi Elazar ben Yaakov. So rather than Rabbi Yaakov, this, is, this version says Rabbi Elazar ben Yaakov says, it's like he is making, diminishing the divine image. And Ben Azai said the same thing. He says both, and they told him, uh, you know, how come you're not fulfilling? And he answered the same thing. So basically the same version, just slightly different name. When the Aron Kodesh would come back uh, to the camp- encampment after going out to war, so uh, j- just like to nowadays we say when the Torah is brought back to the Aron Kodesh, uh, so we say, come, return Hashem to the Rivevot. Rivava uh, is 10,000. So Rivavot in plural is minimum 20,000. Alfe, Elif is 1,000. Thousands minimum would be 2,000. So altogether, the minimum amount of God returning to the encampment would be with 22,000 of Israel. So we learn from here that Shekhinah will not dwell upon less than 22,000 Jewish people. That's the minimum population you need for Hashem to dwell amongst them. Now imagine that uh, the population of Israel was 22,000 minus one, missing one person. And let's say, uh, this you, you could have had, uh, and, and uh, this one person did not, uh, be, was not fruitful multiple, did not have children. So this person, if he only had one child, then, then Shekhinah would have come. Because he did not, Shekhinah uh, did not come. Right? You always have to uh, assume that your vote might be the one vote that tips it over the edge. So don't say, don't say, what's the difference if I have a couple of children or not? No, that could be all of the difference of Shekhinah dwelling amongst us, amongst us or not. If a person does not uh, engage in Pedro then they are liable to the death penalty. Regarding Nadav and Avihu, it says that they had no children. Oh, so you see, that's maybe that's why one another one of the reasons that they um that they died. If they had children, then they would not have died. 
Omar, Elohim, Ul Acharecha. Others say someone who does not uh, have uh, procreate uh, causes Shekhinah to leave Israel. As it says, um, uh, that Hashem will be to, uh, to uh, referring to Abraham, to be a God to, for you and for your children, and, and a God to your children after you. Um, and so we see that the she, when a person has children that will follow him and can have, be, be, continue his legacy, then the Shekhinah will dwell on him because he know, we know he has a future, right? Actually, this comes is based on the Peshat. Hashem says, uh, you know, I'm going to choose Avraham because he teaches his children. I see he's going to have a future worth investing in him, right? Uh, he's someone that's interested in a long-term deal. So then uh, Shekhinah will dwell upon him. But if not, so where can the Shekhinah dwell after him? On, on, on stones, on, on wood, on trees um, that is going to be buried under, under a tree, under a stone. Where is, where is Shekhinah going to dwell? Has to dwell upon the living, upon the legacy. And so you see a key for Shekhinah is uh, one, when one uh, thinks about uh, his future and and uh, brings up children and uh, teaches them in the ways of Torah. That is the essence of uh, dwelling Shekhinah. And so if we take all these lessons of having a good marriage, a good relationship, bringing up children well, uh, then we can merit to have Shekhinah dwell amongst us. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.